You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. ISIS sympathizers praise Ohio State slasher rampage in social media. Germany's BND warns of Russian plans to disrupt elections. Deutsche Telekom recovers from a Mirai-driven DDoS attack. San Francisco's light rail recovers from ransomware and resumes collecting fares. Continuing security troubles for former and prospective U.S. secretaries of state. The Carter administration, yes, the Carter administration, gets doxxed and ex-hamster is breached. Hey, didn't John McAfee warn you about that? I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, November 29th, 2016. In the U.S., investigators of yesterday's car crash and knife rampage on the campus of The Ohio State University have found social media posts from the late alleged attacker in which he avows an intention to avenge injury and insult to Muslims. ISIS has not yet claimed responsibility for inspiring the attacker, but the caliphate sympathizers have begun lionizing the late alleged attacker online as a brother, and they continue to draw pride and encouragement from an apparent act of terrorism. The head of Germany's Foreign Intelligence Service, the Bundesnacht Richtendienst, BND, joins warnings of a Russian cyber threat to next year's elections. Bruno Kahl, speaking to the Zedeutsche Zeitung, remarked that Europe was seeing a wave of cyber incidents that appeared to have no purpose beyond triggering political uncertainty and delegitimizing the democratic process as such. Call's assessment echoed warnings earlier this month by his colleague, Hans-Georg Maasen, head of the domestic intelligence agency, BFV. Call spoke as Deutsche Telekom recovered from a large distributed denial-of-service attack that knocked out service to some 900,000 customers. The DDoS attack, not yet attributed, is provisionally thought to be the work of criminals, not state actors. As it recovers from the incident, Deutsche Telekom has issued a router firmware upgrade to mitigate the exploited vulnerability. The malware implicated in the attacks appears to be an evolved version of the Mirai botnet herder, according to researchers from security firm Tripwire. Tripwire's Craig Young outlined some of the highlights of this Mirai-driven attack for us. After it infects a system, Mirai deletes the original malicious binary and relocates itself to blend in with normal system items. Mirai also attempts to block access to the vulnerable remote management protocol. This accomplishes two things, preventing a subsequent competing infection and making it more difficult for ISPs to forcibly reset devices. One of the main servers used in the attack infrastructure is registered out of Kiev, Ukraine, under the name Peter Parker, and clearly the hoods behind the attack don't know that with great power comes great responsibility. The attackers built their payload for multiple architectures. 
Young says, quote, As of this morning, the malware availability on the CNC server is instead downloading and running a script which attempts to run a payload from each of seven architectures until one succeeds, end quote. Previously infected systems are not running the new variant. Young notes, quote, This would imply that the controller has not or cannot update the malware on already deployed systems, end quote. We also heard from Mike Amadi of the Synopsys Software Integrity Group. He thinks the Deutsche Telekom incident is a bad sign that massively scalable attacks are coming to be all the rage among black hat hackers. Quote, this is particularly alarming because our testing tools have been able to uncover literally thousands of scalable attacks on very commonly deployed networking equipment and IoT devices over the last several years. It seems that simply finding a vulnerability is no longer all that interests the malicious hacker world, but finding and exploiting high-impact vulnerabilities is very interesting. Unless developers and users implement more rigor into discovering and mitigating software vulnerabilities, scalable attacks will continue to grow. End quote. Rod Schultz of security firm Rubicon Labs says the incident illustrates the risks of what he calls a break-once, break-everywhere technology, since the routers hosted by Deutsche Telekom appear to have little digital diversity. That may make for simpler management of devices, but as Schultz points out, quote, that simplification is also leveraged by attackers to compromise the system, end quote. The problem isn't susceptible to an easy fix, and Schultz foresees it persisting for many years. The other high-profile hack of these waning days of November was, of course, the ransomware attack on the payment and scheduling systems of San Francisco's Muni Light Rail. The Muni has resumed normal service and has resumed charging passengers fares for their rides. Transit authorities decided to let everyone ride for free during the attack rather than suspend service. The Muni, we note, did not pay the ransom, and security researchers have applauded that decision. The system has also, so far, suffered none of the consequences the attackers threatened. Krebs on security reports that a security researcher who asked that his or her anonymity be preserved hacked the attacker's mailbox and found links suggesting connections to other ransomware attacks. Signs point circumstantially toward a Southwest Asian hacker, but there's no firm attribution yet. Our partners at Terbium Labs, who watch the dark web pretty closely, say that, as they predicted, the cyber black market was holding Black Friday sales, too. They saw one vendor of cyber criminal tools flacking their wares with the come on that the holiday season is the best time to commit fraud. Turning elsewhere, old news today either returns or persists. The old news that's returned comes courtesy of WikiLeaks, which has released a tranche of Carter administration diplomatic cables dating from 1979, a year which Assange and some others apparently believe represented a kind of watershed for recent history, a low point in American power, a brief period where the Soviet Union appeared to be in unchallengeable ascendancy, and a time marked by the rise of newly militant Islam in Iran and elsewhere. The old news that persists includes one former and one prospective U.S. Secretary of State. Former Secretary Clinton faces continued civil litigation over security issues with her emails, and prospective Secretary of State Petraeus, who met recently with President-elect Trump reportedly to discuss the job, remains under investigation for security breaches committed during his tenure as CENTCOM commander and director of Central Intelligence. Despite assurances to the contrary by President Obama and Homeland Security Secretary Johnson, concerns about election hacking produce recount drives in closely decided states.
These recount demands are largely led by Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein. Terbium Labs told us they've seen a recent dump of personal information associated with the Greens and calls on the dark web for a general doxing effort against that party. Terbium also notes that one of Tor's more popular doxing and dumping sites has just popped back up after having been down for over a month. The site, Cloud9, has a new layout, and it has a record of hosting politically motivated doxing, along with more standard doxing dumps. And finally, there's apparently been a breach at the ex-hamster adult site, with user accounts appearing on the dark web. We know none of you have anything to worry about, but if a friend asks you, well, they can't say John McAfee didn't warn them years ago. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Dale Drew. He's the Chief Security Officer at Level 3 Communications. Uh, Dale, we're just about to wrap up November, and uh, but before we do, it's worth noting that November was Critical Infrastructure Month. You know, I'd like to think that every month is Critical Infrastructure Month. <laughs> we're just highlighting a little bit more of it in November. Um, yeah. um, well, you know, and, and it's one of those issues where we're seeing uh, a, a more and more rapid exploitation of businesses. You know, it, it's businesses can no longer say, uh, you know, can no longer reflect on a compromise being with regards to a peer they have in the industry or somebody, uh, some other unrelated uh, company. It, it really is beginning to hit home more and more uh, because it there, there, there are no um, you know, unsafe territories for, for victims these days. You People know, they can't say that'll never happen to me. That's exactly right. I mean, I, I, I re- seem to recall there was a study, uh, by GAO, the, the government accountability office that said, uh, between 2006 and 2015, there was, um, uh, it, we, we increased from 5,500 victims a year to 77,000 victims a year. Hmm. And so, you know, that's a, that's a 1300% increase in uh, in victims, so you know it really is no longer in, uh, that that it can't happen to me mentality. And so, when we're talking about critical infrastructure, what does that encompass? Well, you know, I, I mean, critical infrastructure is is those elements that are responsible for making up a majority of our infrastructure, whether that's um, the water we we drink in our homes, the transportation that moves us, the stores we shop in. 
or the communications infrastructure we rely on uh, to stay in touch with uh, friends and family and businesses. So, you know, it really is the things that that bind uh, our capability uh, as as a society. And and you know, we we've seen what I would describe as sort of uh, warning shots. You know, shots across the bow. There's the famous story about the the uh, the control system on the dam in Rye, New York, and of course the the more serious stuff that happened in Ukraine. Um, with their power system, I, I think some people, myself included, have a hard time really getting a sense for, um, you know, how seriously to take some of these threats because we, you know, a major event has yet to happen, certainly here in the United States. Do you think that's an, you think that's a fair description? You know, I, I think incidences are occurring, you know, pretty much on a regular basis, and, and they're they're mostly in the forms of theft of intellectual property, and and you know we see a lot of compromises of of some critical infrastructure providers, especially when it comes to where we see bids for infrastructure proposals. We see nation states break into a quite a wide variety of critical infrastructure providers in in an effort to steal intellectual property, so they can use that data to compete. Um, in those bids. So, you know, something as trivial as that, that sort of avenue gives them access to that that baseline infrastructure and that capability to be able to launch uh, other attacks. Um, you know, there, there was an attack, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a critical infrastructure per se, but it was pretty close. There was an attack October 21st against a, a fairly popular uh, domain name service, DNS provider, uh, that provided the ability to you know, essentially serving directory name services for s- certain domains that, that are responsible for uh, critical payment in- infrastructure, uh, critical communications infrastructure. And uh, when that service went down, a significant number of websites went down with it. Uh, and so something that, you know, th- those, little, th- those little connective tissues become very, very critical in our ability to uh, tie all this infrastructure together. And when we look at something like the the ability of the Mirai botnet to take down you know large parts of the internet in North America, um, do we consider the internet to be critical infrastructure? Yeah, I, I would say at this point, it absolutely you know, the internet absolutely is is a critical infrastructure. I mean, it, you know, there there are you know, not only are there businesses that that uh, operate almost entirely and exclusively on its dependency, but but uh, you know our ability to communicate as a society is largely dependent upon the availability of the internet. So. I, absolutely, I think it is a it is a you know it is it is a critical critical infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well Dale Drew, once again, thanks for checking in. We'll talk again soon. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.
Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.